You're listening to Baltimoreon, the home of the all-weather fan. My name is Sam Dingman. This is Alan Smith. Let's get stupid. Baltimoreons. Hello, Baltimoreons. Good morning, good morning. Or by the time you hear this, most likely, what's for dinner? And good night. See you later. <laughs> and that'll do it for this week, folks. Alan, what do you call Henry Yerudia um, when he's making a nice stew uh, for dinner? Okay, okay. Let's get into it. Uh, what a week. Yeah, a little, little um, well, uh, you know, two out of three from the Giants ain't bad, but uh, a little bit of a wobble through Milwaukee. Um, maybe we hit a little too much of the cheese curds on the way through. No, no. <laughs> What a great, one great. The bats. Let me tell you. Let me asleep. tell you what I choose. Let me tell you what I choose to focus on. Somewhere over Montana, I think they all just dozed off and took them a while to <laughs> wake back up. <laughs> the uh, the bats considered it a flyover series. With apologies <laughs> to our friends in Wisconsin. I don't know if we have any of those. I can't on imagine this we have any of those. <laughs> but if we do. I apologize. Uh, I was hoping, <laughs> I was hoping that we were going to uh, have a lot more success against your charming. But I was hoping not as look. Milwaukee has a negative run differential, mm. and we allowed them to score a lot of runs against us. They defeated I, us ten to two. And that that was a bad that was a bad game. But I I was more disappointed by the the feeling that like um our our offense, well, this may not shock anybody. Our offense, minus our all-star table setter and star center fielder, has looked a <laughs> little bit dodgy. Um, and maybe yeah. uh, the 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 uh, everybody else having to step up a place in the order um, thing has not been super great for the uh, collective offense. But with that said. Bats did wake up um, late, late on a Wednesday on a getaway game and um, managed to squeeze out six runs over the final three innings. So, you know, three and three road trip. It's it's not it's certainly not the end times um, like it is, say, in New York when the uh, (laughs) clouds of voluminous smoke smother all things and (laughs) the sun goes out and we pray, pray for a swift death. (laughs) not that we were overreacting to anything up here in (laughs) the anxious northeast uh but it was really scary up here i'm wearing my um uh my orange orioles shirt and and if i had worn it on wednesday you wouldn't have been able to see me okay you would have just (laughs) been entirely blended in so i feel like there there are two things from this week that uh, I would like to address. One is a promising thing. One is a negative thing. Let's start with the negative thing. I don't think Yanir Cano is automatic anymore. And as we get towards the middle of the season and start to think about what the reinforcement brigade is going to need to look like, whether via call-up or trade, I had been really hoping that the bullpen would not be a place that we needed to make additions or 
adjustments. Like the hope was like, that's good. That's locked in. We just got to stabilize the starting rotation and maybe get another bat in the mix. And things have been wobbly town in the bullpen lately. It's not necessarily a trend yet. It's it's just a wobble. But I don't think, like, I think Bautista is going to continue to be the Bautista that we have seen. I have a sense that Coulomb is going to continue to be the Coulomb that we've seen. Um, but all of a sudden, other than that, nobody else feels like a sure thing. <laughs> but I think, I think that that's... Um... I think that that's probably a Cedric Mullins um, situation again, which is to mm. say like one very important piece is suddenly wobbly and the mm-hmm. results of that are that every other piece is being slightly more overexposed. So I don't think that what the need for that is, I don't think it's a need for five more arms. I don't think it's a need to go out and I think it's a need to get one guy. And that person should be a high leverage, capable of working the seventh or eighth as needed when yeah. uh, in, a, in a position that is not when we call on Cano or, or if Cano continues to um, slide back towards something closer to his uh, statistical norm. So I, if we had that arm um, and, you know, Maybe it's maybe it's Zimmerman. I don't know. I don't. I don't know who that arm is. But if we had that arm that we felt good about, then I think everybody else, Bauman, Baker, uh, uh, Coulomb, Perez. Oh, I don't know. Uh, end up Aye. end up back sort of where they where they belong in terms of the leverage and the amount of pressure on them, and they can do a little more a little more for us um, by doing a little less. Yeah, that's a good point, Smith. That's a good point. And I I hadn't thought about that, but you're so right. I think what what has been happening is because of the way the offense has been playing and because of the shakiness of the starting pitching recently, Cano has had to pitch like too many Cano innings. And so that means that... You've been asking him to get four outs like every other game, which is... Right. It's overexposing. I mean, it's overexposing for for a great pitcher, for for a... for a lockdown guy, and and this is a yeah. guy who, um, you know, went on an unholy run. But I don't, I don't think his underlying <laughs> um, right. statistics uh, or underlying ability is never will allow another run ever again. <laughs> yeah, no, you're you're totally right. You're totally right, and I think that the the fear that I have. <sighs> Is and this is not based on anything that I have like read or seen. It's just because my mind has this stupid tendency to try to figure out like, oh God, how's it all going to go bad? But something I'm really you, scared you of. You are is, an Orioles fan. <laughs> you come by it honestly. Yes, I yeah yeah. Something I feel really scared of is I've been seeing all these reports recently about the Royals wanting to move Araldis Chapman. And it it struck me it that feels like the exact kind of like pitcher that we are looking for. Now I will say there's going to be a lot of people bidding for him, and so that's going to like run up the the trade cost. And I don't think Elias is the kind of person who's like I'll give away top tier talent to rent Araldis Chapman. But I did just have this nightmare feeling like oh god, what if they do that? Would I have to stop loving the team? 
is this even worth talking about? It's not yeah. like it's even been reported. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think that that's probably a particularly worst case scenario. Um, yeah. I think there are probably other pieces, but I think that probably we said last week that this is going to be sort of a, 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 tr- a trade deadline when we do the reverse Lopez trade. Um, I think there's probably something to that. And I think we will probably be looking to a team like the Royals who uh, absolutely wants to be sellers for an arm um, that has that has that kind of ability. I, I don't think we need somebody else who comes in and throws 101. I don't even know if Chapman is still capable of doing that. Um, but I think what we need instead is um, somebody who uh, has a proven track record of eating innings. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I don't think, that, actually, I don't even think that it is a Chapman profile. Like, I don't think we need another closer. I don't think we need to have people who can fireball our way through the seventh, eighth, and ninth. I think we just need right. somebody else who can kind of, you know, I think I, I more and more am thinking about. Wh- watching the offense react to the absence of Cedric Mullins and watching the pitching staff react to the uh, regression of Cano, it, it does feel sort of like there is a, um, the, the, the entire game of baseball over time is like a, 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 a Jenga tower. And if you sort of like wobble too many pieces, then the whole thing gets, overly yeah. Yeah. <laughs> overly complicated but i think you know that but the, the 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 positive other side of that is like you can you can survive some really good defense and not a lot of offense from your 789 guys you just can't also have them batting lead off and fifth <laughs> which is what's yeah. currently happening yeah. uh, you just yeah. need a little bit more at the top and you need a little bit more in your bullpen to 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 kind of uh, stretch. So I, you know, I think, I think I've I've actually been um, expecting as we moved into June that the regression was going to come from our starting pitching. And Mm. uh, if we could, if we could all just agree that we start in the second inning and we're going to play 10, I feel like (laughs) our starting pitching is, is like guaranteed uh, um, knockout, uh, you know, best in the league. If we could just excise that first inning but oh and seriously overall the regression has not come these guys who i did not have a lot of faith in i mean bradish got uh had a had a weird first inning yesterday and he got dinked and donked which he doesn't usually which he doesn't usually do and uh you know threw 31 pitches and then slammed the door Like, struck out ten. And struck out ten. Struck out ten, and and I think gave up two more hits after that. Yeah, like he yeah. he 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 was great. He was great, and yeah. and you know, the Orioles should be a team that can win when their starting pitcher gives up three runs or two runs. Um, that's yeah. you know that's a reasonable request to make of the offense. Yeah, so let's let's look at the offense. Um, the thing I was going to say that I felt like was a positive this week mm. is I think two of Gunnar Henderson's last five hits, let's say, have been go-ahead home runs in high leverage situations. Love that for him. It's coming around. Um, it's coming around. He's coming around. The, the The back injury made me a little nervous, but based on the way he played yesterday, it seems like everything is okay. Um, 
how much of his newfound stroke do we attribute to the fact that he got a haircut? I was going to say, I think that the big news coming into uh, this week (laughs) is maybe, are we still a hair team? I don't know know if we're a hair team, Smith. We gave gave ourselves, we patted ourselves on the back at the beginning of the season for, for this moniker. I mean, with Gunner with no hair, Cedric Mullins not even playing, and when he was, yep. it was it was way under control. Um, yep. Mateo, Dean Kramer did not pitch well last time. Dean Kramer did not pitch well. Uh, Mateo in a slump. Mateo in a slump. I I don't know. Stowers Stowers optioned twice, two for sixty four or whatever he is. I think that Stowers, by the way, is uh, the likeliest um, piece for us to move for a starting pitcher. Discuss. Oh, he gone. He gone. <laughs> Goodbye, Kyle. I I love your your spirit and he you seem like a fun fellow, but uh yeah. Uh would not miss him. Um here's a conspiracy theory that was recently floated to my ears that I wonder what you think about. Um okay, so we should say as we are recording this, it was reported but not verified on Twitter last night that Colton Kowser was pulled from a Tides game in the eighth, ostensibly because they wanted him to uh, get be able on to the make road. it to Baltimore in time for the Kansas City game tonight. As we record this, there have been no updates about that. But uh, in terms of the hashtag Westberg watch, um, somebody suggested to me that the Orioles are not calling Westberg up because as long as he is raking at AAA, his trade value is astronomical and that they have made the determination that... And the more I'm thinking about this, it does make a little bit of sense. Westberg's a shortstop, primarily. We have 26 of those. Um, We're obviously invested in both Gunnar Henderson and Jackson Holiday, who is absolutely demolishing <laughs> yeah. every single pitch he sees and may be here as early as next year. What? So if you're going to move a top prospect, Westberg's probably the one to move um, and that that's the reason we're not calling him up. Because if we call him up and he struggles, his trade value goes down. Right now, you could probably flip him for an elite SP. What do you think, Smith, about this theory? Um... I realize that for better or for worse, I have a classic fan overvaluing my guy's problem here. Um, (laughs) I think that I personally would get more pleasure out of our prospects coming up and being good for the Orioles than... Or I get here's what it really is: the risk of him being all world for somebody else, and us having used that potential for a midseason rental of a starting pitcher hurts my soul. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. and that's a dumb calculus, right? <laughs> like, right. first of all, he's probably not going to be all world. Very few people are all world. <laughs> second second yeah. of all, mm-hmm. you're right to say like organizationally there there's people on both sides of him and that's not even talking about the person who's actually playing shortstop for us right now. Um <laughs> like there's a lot of depth, right, in that particular position. So he is hella yeah. expendable. Yeah. Um 
And I think, you know, odds on, if you're going to roll the dice, I would say that Gunner and Jackson are more likely to be all world uh, than, than this guy, this kid. Um, but with all that said, like I, I am risk averse in that way. This is why I would yeah. never be a good general manager. I would never want to mm-hmm. trade potential until it is clearly proven not to have borne out at which point it is useless. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. you know, I, I hate it. I hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's probably the right thing to do. And I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the more I think about it, the more I feel like I would only feel good about it if the pitcher that we end up trading for is either is like a somebody who's controllable. You know what I mean? Um, if you somebody who, if you told me that you had had a long conversation with his agents and he was ready to resign, go get Otani, make the trade. Let's go. <laughs> Westberg for Otani, straight up. Who's not taking that deal? I mean, seriously, if they have any reason to suspect that he's not re-signing there, that would be criminal not to take that deal. Oh, the, uh, yes. yes the angel, from the Angels' side. If they, if they have any reason yeah. to believe that he's not going to re-up, he, he, has, he has what? Like he has nine, uh, seven months left on his contract, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, next year is the first billion-dollar contract in professional sports. It's guaranteed. Um, <laughs> My concern is that we will not be the ones to tender that contract. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Fair. <laughs> um, but related to all this, related to all this, we broached this subject last week. I would venture to say we broke the news, and it seems like the rest of Orioles Nation is catching up with us. I think Ryan Mountcastle is broken. Mm. And we and and uh, Brandon Hyde, clearly a listener to this program, uh, has leaned into the O'Hearn platoon idea a little bit this week. Um, not that it's had stunning results in terms of wins and losses, but O'Hearn is continuing to hit right-handed pitching. Um, my question is, actually, you know what? Let me just look up really quick. Let's see how Ryan O'Hearn did this week. If we take a little look, uh, he had a solid week. Two, three, four, five, six. Six hits, a home run, four RBI. Um, continuing to perform pretty well for us. Um, one of the other theories that I have heard floated is that if, in fact, Kowser is on route, what this allows us to do is um platoon, is is like go full platoon at first base but keep Santander in the lineup mm-hmm. um and just and and Mountcastle becomes a short side of the platoon slash bench bat yeah i mean i i i think that uh Mountcastle is uh detract but not broken um, okay. I think I think that there will be a moment this season when Mountcastle is back and raking, um, but I don't think he has the. Um, I, I don't think we need to keep him in the lineup to have him work through stuff in the same way that I think we need to do that with a with a, with a Gunnar Henderson or a um, uh, a young prospect. 
I think, you know, he has to go play the role he has to go play. Yeah, you know, I, mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, John Lester was up there for a second. I thought he probably he's probably going to get some time at first base. Um, I, I don't really understand why Lester over everybody else that we have in our system, but he raked in spring training. So maybe the theory is that he's just like he's earned it in some way. Yeah. Um, I do. I think the long-term plan is we moved Kerstad up to AAA this week. And if he continues to OPS at nine, um, <laughs> I think we, I think we probably, he, I think he's, he's on track for a July call up uh, if he keeps hitting. And then I think he probably goes to first base. Oh, does he play first base? Yes. I thought he was I, an outfielder believe, for some reason. I think he's a quote unquote outfielder. Mm. <laughs> I think he's he's somebody who you uh you hide over there at first. You hide where you can hide him to keep the bat in the lineup. Got which it. is fine. Yeah. That's fine. I would take a guy like that. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um yeah, I mean so so I guess I guess the 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 meta thing that we are sort of talking about here is that, you know, we've been talking all season about the Orioles having depth. Um, Mm -hmm. It seemed like for the last couple of weeks, they were not using that depth and instead sort of cobbling together a, um, you know, poo-poo platter of uh, Hicks and McCann and uh, O'Hearn and et cetera to kind of keep things going. But maybe we're saying now is the time to plug some of these holes in the lineup with that depth and just see what we got in a couple of places and see which, which ones can catch fire um, at the major league level. Yeah. And is this, is this prospect depth for real? And, you know, I mean, the other thing I'm realizing is we're, you know, to go back to the middle relief conundrum or the mid late relief conundrum is the exact kind of guy that we're missing right now is, uh, you know, say uh, a Dylan Tate is mm. the name that comes to mind, or perhaps a Michael Givens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we do have those players; they just <laughs> keep keep hoiding themselves. Hurt. Um, the The question that I have is: When does and I think this moment may be coming soon. When does Cole Irvin get his next look? I mean, um, when it's, it's coming very soon. We're not going to do another bullpen yeah. game, are we? Yeah, I mean, that, the answer to that question may be... Saturday? Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, whichever day. <laughs> <laughs> whichever, whichever the fifth day spot in the rotation is, it's coming up soon. I think, yeah, I mean, you, you kind of like, let's not, do, let's not do whatever we did against Cleveland that other time. That wasn't any fun. Oh, that was, that was hideous. That was hideous. But that, you know, that does point us back to the Westberg question in a way, because that slot, we need to fix that problem now, because as the season goes on, like the, I think we are seeing right now the kinds of worrisome spells that if we go through too many of them, we'll lose pole position, uh, especially in this division where we've been able to hang on so far, but where yeah, everybody's it's it's a brutal it division. Together. It's a brutal division. Uh, Fifth place is five hundred. Yeah, and the, Toronto is not going to stay asleep for long. Yankees the Yankees are, right are there. 
they're scary and everyone is hurt. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like everyone on the Yankees is hurt. Although, did you see the thing uh, last night? This is not related to what we're talking about. I just find it joyful. Yankees fans are real mad because um, DJ LeMayhew and Adam Frazier have the same OPS. <laughs> <laughs> and actually like basically identical stats. I did see that. I did see that. Uh, but LeMayhew is playing, chin up, you know, at chin up, $20 Frazier. million dollar salary. You're all right, buddy. Yeah. Um, I still I still love Adam Frazier, and I would have said that even before he hit that double last night. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, you know, so so uh, I think you're right. I think that, that, that this is a this is a season like it's a com- incredibly competitive AL East, and I think that we're getting as we get closer to the deadline, one to two of these ALS teams are going to blink, um, and yeah. by that I mean decide this is not their year and they're going to take their foot off the pedal. And so I would, I don't want that to be us. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think like you never, baseball is a crazy game. You never say this is like a must sweep series, but uh, we really have to beat up on the Royals. Like we really have to like get some, yes. some good vibes back um, as, as soon as possible here because uh, things like, it's a relentless, it's a relentless season uh, in, in, in a relentless division. Yeah. And, you know, I was looking ahead to the the schedule for the rest of the season and I don't think this is going to happen, but if, if we are, if we're not able to get it together and we regress a little bit and we end up being more like an 85 win team this year than the 90 some win team, I think we're all hoping that we can be. I think we're all hoping we can be. What kind of hedge is that? <laughs> Obviously, that's what we're all hoping. What am I, a politician? Anyway, um, there would, you could see an argument after the season like, okay, the Orioles weren't quite ready yet and they had a soft first five weeks of the schedule that showed flashes of promise, but they still need a couple more pieces to really contend. So this is the, it's it's exactly what you said. Like, this is the test. Yeah. This is the test. So here's a question for you. Let's say we were right and we are in the business of flipping one of our um, plethora of good young prospect bats for a starting pitcher. I have been looking around and, you know, I'm an Orioles fan. I'm not really a baseball fan. So perhaps this is a little bit of um, big name-itis. But it seems to me that many of the thing people who you would consider nailed on starting pitcher guarantees are anything but this season. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, from Syndergaard flaming out in LA to, Oof, uh, you know, DeGrom getting another eight, surgery. Oh, sad story. Uh, Verlander not really holding it together in New York. Ooh, right? Kind of a sad story, but a little delicious. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> not not against Verlander, just more against Steve Cohen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, also, well, uh, side note, this Orioles team still has the second lowest um, payroll in baseball, just saying. I know, um, it's so weird. It's so weird. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, my question is, who is the starting pitcher? Because in right, a very right. real way, um, the pers- the sort of like, Guaranteed inning eating horses, 
feel like they're all kind of wobbly right now. And the young um, people who are blowing away the league are young and blowing away the league and they're under contract from their teams. And why, why would you ever trade one of those guys even for a good prospect? Um, so I'm having trouble kind of finding the right profile. You know, I don't think it's Otani. That would be the most amazing thing that ever happened to me as an Orioles fan. I would love it to death, but, um, it is kind of somebody like that, right. Who is established enough to feel like they are definitively a one or two in our current rotation, which is no like easy feat. Um, and also, you know, somewhere less than 18 months left on their contract because otherwise the team, which is the seller probably wants to hold on to them. Yeah, I agree. I I think the biggest reason, because there's also an argument that the trade for should be for somebody like Wade Miley. You know what I mean? Like have a little reunion with, with the Wadester who I just looked is three and two with a 3.67 earned run average because he was basically only bad when he pitched for us. That's the um, thing though. They're all only tip. bad when they, I mean, Cobb is now like a world beater again. What is maybe happening? We get, maybe we get the Cobster back in town. Ah. Let's do it. Another, another ride on the Cobb train. How about Corey um, Kluber? Corey Kluber. That would be, if we make Corey Kluber good again, I, Elias is getting <laughs> hired by the Yankees tomorrow. Because <laughs> that, that would be, if the Red Sox can't make Kluber again, I don't think, good again, I don't think anybody can. Um, the, I think one of the biggest arguments for what you're saying, like having the starting pitcher that we bring in, whoever that is, be a like impact dude, <clears throat> is that... I think one of the one of the few things I'll ding the front office for so far, and some of they were, this they were forced into. I didn't. Uh, I didn't mean Kluber. Just for the record, I meant Bieber. Oh, the Biebs. Yeah, wrong name. Biebs Sorry, guys. Be, oh, that's all right. That I mean, well, Kluber. Kluber is a starting pitcher whose last name ends in Burr, who <laughs> has at various points been dominant for Cleveland. So you could be forgiven. <laughs> But, um, um, yeah, go ahead. Well, I just think it's got to be a dominant guy because the thing that I think has been unfortunate about the Grayson Rodriguez story, and to a certain extent the D.L. Hall story, is that both of those guys have been called up in circumstances where it was like, we need you to be an impact starting pitcher now, today. We need that ready, go. And And that's that same pressure on the lineup thing. Yeah, some starting pitchers, young starting pitchers are up to that. Grayson and DL, unfortunately, haven't been. I do think if you can get an impact guy in there and then bring Grayson back up, back half of the season, give him some lower leverage starts where he can build some confidence up, learn how to get through those tricky patches that he seems to struggle with, that's going to be way better for his development. That's true. Um so I feel like that is another argument for um, for the, the starting pitcher that we are all but guaranteed to trade for being somebody that's like worthy of losing Westberg. Yeah. I don't know who that person is, but I think that if you put Westberg on the table, it can probably be a pretty big arm. Um, so that's, yeah. that's, someone, that's something to, to hopefully keep an eye on. We are running out of time here today, Baltimore, so we want to do a really quick 
look in. Oh, well, first of all, you know, this is the obviously already the conversation that's happening all over Orioles Twitter right now. But who would you trade and for whom? Um, send mm-hmm. us your ideal trades. I think it's an interesting conversation. And I am on record as saying, please, God, don't trade anybody. I will. I love them all. They're all my favorites. Um, <laughs> but we're going to do a really quick sports washing wash watch. Sports watch watch. Um, uh, because there was a big, big sports washing news item, um, from outside baseball this week as Mm -hmm. the PGA tour and the LIV tour settled their 18 month acrimonious dispute because the, the Saudi, Saudi, uh, investment fund decided to just give everybody a ton of money. Um, and it is, uh, to my eye, absolutely why you do sports washing. If you are someone who needs to wash off your um, um, image, because it ended yeah. up with the investment fund having what they wanted, which was a seat at the table. Uh, they are now yeah. part of golf. And now golf has reacted and um, um, bent themselves over backwards to figure out ways to take all of that money. And the result, I think, is um, we've all sort of like forgotten uh, in the discussions about how it's all going to work and who's winning and who's up and who's down. Um, we've once again sort of forgotten where the money's coming from. Um, not a lot yeah. more to say on sports washing, except for that um, once again, it's depressing how well it works uh, and how much it is able to shift the Overton window of our political discussion um, such that we have once again forgotten exactly who the um, who the the people who we were arrayed against politically not so very long ago were was. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, you know, uh, like this is an idea I've just been pondering a little bit recently. And I wonder, you know, perhaps as a note to like send us all off to reflect on, like, you remember the movie Moneyball? Sure. In Moneyball, we see this. The reason why my children will understand that the A's once played in Oakland. Oh, that's sad. That's very sad. (laughs) (sighs) But I love the idea of your kids growing up to be such baseball fans that they're like, Dad, where did the Nevada (laughs) athletics used to play? You're like, oh, there was a time. Let me show you this movie starring Brad Pitt. Who's Brad Pitt? (laughs) Oh, Brad Pitt will still be acting. Don't worry. (laughs) Um, That's true. (laughs) Um. you know, th- that's this movie where we see this portrayal of Billy Bean as like, a, you know, a, a troubled dad who's to, trying to do right by his kids. And this, you know, hyper-economic, deeply uh, anti, anti-human like philosophy of sports analysis comes across his his desk and he's like, I guess I got to do what I, what I got to do to save the team and doggone it. What an underdog story. I'm not saying Billy Bean's a bad guy, but (laughs) that was like ruthless corporate behavior. Mm. What 
Oakland did. It yeah. was motivated by ruthless corporate behavior on the part of ownership, and it was a ruthless McKinsey consulting type economic sure. Sure. model to like bottom things out and 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 like, find the inefficiencies, find the inefficiencies, make and money try on to the inefficiencies, them. and the A's won. So we're like, we're okay with it. And basically, the idea I'm driving towards is like, winning is usually ugly. Winning is usually an ugly thing. Hmm. And it's like, I think the thing about this, the golf situation that you're mentioning is if we get a, if, you know, if a good story emerges on the PGA Tour this year, somebody we can root for and that we like, we're going to f- completely forget about the whole situation. And that is sad. Yeah. I mean, it, it is it is a powerful thing that sports does to us. It's a powerful, um, you know, we're, we're out of time, but I think one of the really interesting reflections that the world is coming to right now as Manchester City, the like absolute machine um, that continues to chew through uh, world soccer, um, doesn't, it, it's, it's a really interesting example of when sports washing kind of, well, and maybe that's a, maybe maybe that's opening up a, a larger can of fish than we have time to to examine right now. But simply to say, it doesn't seem like people have really fallen in love with Manchester City. No one's giving them a lot of credit, and that's one of the reasons that is appears to be because no one really hates them. Because in English mm-hmm. soccer, all the rivalries go so far and so deep that everybody on um, who is an Arsenal fan is saying, "Well, at least it's not." Chelsea and Tottenham and everybody mm-hmm. who is, uh, you know, a uh, 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 Liverpool Sands fan is saying, at least it's not Manchester United. And because there's not sort of the antipathy uh, or, or sports hate that that goes back generations for Man United and be- Man City, and because it feels a little bit like they're playing a different game anyway, because they have infinite resources which to get <laughs> players, like people are just kind of like, yeah, Steve Cohen, cool, it's fine. Go ahead, like whatever. At least it's not my least favorite team, um, right? Yeah, that's how people. That's how people are are talking about the Mets, right? Like, yeah. um, that they're doing they're doing gross stuff, but it's like, but the Mets are underdogs, not anymore. Yeah, not yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, and 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 it is it is funny. I guess I guess after a certain number of years of the Mets doing that, and maybe also some success, maybe that changes. I don't know. Um, but it doesn't seem yeah. to for ha- ha- doesn't seem to for um, City as they cruise into probably a record-setting treble this year, where they win literally every competition that they've entered. Well, all troubling questions, Smith, but none I would say more troubling uh, than the one that I'm about to pose to you, which is um, what would you call former Orioles prospect? Speaking of Orioles prospects, Henry Arudia. When he uh, discovers an ancient mountaintop city uh, in Central America. Oh, dang. I know this one. <laughs> you do. You do. <laughs> you do, Rudia. <laughs> but I don't remember what it's called. You, you would call him Henry uh, Machu Picchu. Machu Picchu. Yeah. Now that's the um, question. Do you put the Udia? Is it is it Machu Picchudia? Right, Machu Picchu, Machu Rudia, Picchu Rudia. <laughs> well, well, this is why it's a thorny question. This is a thorny and question. That's that's better left to the philosophers. <laughs> yes, we'd like to know which way you should make that 
it, atrocious pun and what starting pitcher you'd like us to trade for at Be Morons on Twitter. <laughs> we love you. Goodbye. <laughs> Baltimoreans. <laughs> <laughs>